Amen. Well, this evening, like we said, we're starting a new series called The Mountain Relocation Project. Amen. How many of you had some mountains come up in your life? Amen. We're going to to elaborate on that just a little bit. But uh, if you have your Bibles, we want to take a look at two key texts. Open your Bible to Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at the 23rd and the 24th verses. Mark 11, 23, and 24. And we're going to say this before we get started in this. I'm I'm going to try to this weekend to find out. Pastor Earl's going to be concluding a six-week series he's been teaching in St. Augustine on Sunday mornings uh, for the Anchor Life, the Life class. Um, he's been teaching on deceive, deceiving spirits. Man, it's good teaching. But uh, he's been teaching deceiving spirits. He normally doesn't teach the Anchor Life class, but he felt like the Lord put it on his heart. And then we know he's been ministering here, what, the past three, four weeks? Uh, on matters of the heart and the importance of a, of a pure heart. And so, and we're, and we're starting this series tonight on faith. And I was tell, sharing with Pastor Cheyenne how all this stuff, how it's dovetailed together. Is that if the motives of our heart are impure, it makes us vulnerable to deception. And, um, and being vulnerable uh, to deception, when you get deceived, uh, your faith it's an impediment to faith. Amen? And so, all of this, man, it's, if, if, you're, if you're behind, I'm going to tell you what, like I said, I cannot stress enough. All this stuff, it's not just, it's amazing to me when we look back, Pastor Cheyenne and I did this, when we look back like over the last uh, quarter uh, of the year of last year, and we looked at the subjects we ministered on, the sermons that we ministered, and the stuff we ministered, and you see how the Holy Spirit orchestrates all this stuff. That it's not just, oh, I think, you know what, whoop de doo I just woke up this morning, I think I read or man, I'm going to get online and look for a subject to teach. But that you pray, and that the Holy Spirit guides you and directs you, and you look back, man, and, and you don't see it maybe at the time, but in retrospect you look at it and go, man, a lot, look what the Holy Ghost was doing. He had us teach this, this, and this, and look how they all fit together and work together. And so I would encourage you, if, if you can do it, man, get online. It's free. Podcast, it's free. Tell your, you know, if you've got friends that want to be fed they, and they need to hear good word teaching, anchorfaith.com. Go to either site. Click on media. But what Pastor Earl has been teaching on matters of the heart, uh, what we're getting ready to move into here, uh, and this teaching of faith, I mean, this is fundamental stuff. And like I said, I can't stress to you, this ain't just some, uh, you know, uh, high thinking of a self-preacher trying to tell you what I'm saying is, is important. I'm telling you, it is the Word of God. And this is stuff that is foundational that if we miss this, if you, if you mess up the foundation, and we're going to talk a little bit about foundations now, but you mess up the foundation, and, how, you know, and uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ruby, you know, he did uh, construction sales all the time. If the foundation's messed up, man, you can, you can go buy the best materials you want to put on top of the foundation, and it ain't going, it ain't going to stand, is it? Because the foundation's flawed. Uh, and so this is foundational stuff, and it's stuff that you need to be hearing. And, uh, and I'll say this. Pastor Earl said, said this Sunday night, and this, and this is so true. I, you've heard me warn you this. We're going to be talking about some stuff. You know, like I said, some folks, man, I could say Mark 11, 23, 24, man, boom, they could just quote it like that because, man, they've heard it for, for years, years and years. Some of them decades. Right, Cindy? <laughs> decades. Amen. Kirk, decades. You've heard it. Guard yourself against the attitude, oh, I've heard this. Oh, I know this. I'm telling you, one of the most powerful principles that Pastor Earl mentioned Sunday night. I don't know. How many of y'all were here Sunday night? Raise your hand if you were here Sunday night. How many of y'all remember Pastor Earl saying this? He talked about the thing. He said, he said how does your heart... He talked about being, having a dull heart and, and getting a hard heart. And getting a hard heart is when the Word comes forth, the Word of God comes forth, and, and you reject it as truth, or I'll even say this, or you esteem it lowly. Oh, I've heard that before. Guard yourself against that, because when that attitude seeps in, it can, it can produce a hard heart. 
I'm just going to throw this out. This is, kind of, this is off the subject. We're going to get on faith. How many of y'all have ever asked the question or heard someone say or brought up the argument, oh, well, you know, how come God hardened Pharaoh's heart and, and, just, and, and just made Pharaoh have a hard heart toward him so that he could destroy him? That don't sound like a loving God. How many of y'all ever heard somebody that? Some of you may not have ever heard. You know, you go to Bible school and, you, and you're in theology classes and stuff like that, you'll hear some of these stupid arguments come up. But how many of y'all, I've read that before. I thought, man, God, you it said, it said, you hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, how many of y'all know that the result isn't always the intention? And I got to thinking about, and you need, this is the thing, you need to, you need to take some notes, you need to re-listen to some stuff, meditate on it, ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation on things. Because this is what I got from that, is that God didn't intentionally harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, he knew, God knows everything, and he knows how people are going to react but all God did was He sent His Word. Let my people go. Let my, this, is what, this is what Yahweh, this is what Jehovah God says. Let my people go. Pharaoh said, who's God? I've got to listen to Him. You know, you, you look at that, He actually named him, who is Yahweh that I need to listen to Him? He disesteemed and rejected the Word of God that Moses spoke to him, and it caused his heart to harden. Amen? And so if we don't want to get, fall into that, and so, it's, so just keep a teachable attitude, amen? And we're going to take a look at this. So Mark 11, 23, 24, are you there? Amen. So Jesus answered and said, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And we also want to look, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. These are going to be our two of the, two of the main texts that we're going to keep going back to as we teach, as we start each, uh, teaching on this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, that's God, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we see faith, Jesus is saying, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And Hebrews chapter 11 says that you know, you've got it without faith, you can't please God. didn't say you can halfway do it. It says you can't please God. And so just with these two verses, we should know, man, this faith stuff is real important. Matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, we've heard it said, we've said this, is that faith is the currency of the kingdom. Because you understand, we're, we're still talking about the, the paradigm, the, the big view of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's the forest. We're going to take a little time and we're going to look at this, the, the, one of the trees in the forest, the tree, the tree of faith in the forest that is the kingdom of heaven. And so, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Now you understand, this currency is a medium of exchange. Amen? Stay with me. Faith is a medium of exchange. You know, money... You know, how many's got, anybody got some money? Who got some money? Raise your hand if you got some money. Okay, take up the offering now. No, okay, amen. Praise God. Yeah, y'all walked right in there. Okay? This is a rare occasion. Pastor Brian has some money in his wallet that has a picture of a president on it, a dead president on it. There's Andrew Jackson. I should have said, I'll give this $20 bill to whoever can tell me who that president is. Okay, who would have known that? You didn't get my money. I knew, I knew he would. Amen? I knew Chuck would. But uh, this is a medium of exchange. How I many of you know this represents labor? Now, it probably isn't worth the paper it's printed on, just to be honest. You see what the U.S. dollar is doing in world markets. Um, but it's a medium of exchange, which means I can go to Walmart, and if I see food or if I see some product on the shelf that I want, I can, and, and as long as it's not the number on the, the price on it isn't bigger than the number on my bill, I can take it to the counter and I can put it down. Or if I go to one of those goofy little do-it-yourself things, I can stick it in the hole ten times until it takes it, right? Spit it back out. It's a medium of exchange. And so faith is the currency of the kingdom. It is the medium of exchange where when... God, and this is the cool thing. God is the one. Thank you, Lord. He get, the Bible says He gives bread. He gives seed to the sower, and bread to eat. 
What are you talking about, Pastor? I thought we were talking about medium of, of exchange. In other words, God, is, he, God gives you what you need. God furnishes you the raw materials you need to, to, ha- to have the currency of the kingdom. What do you mean, Pastor? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. God, so it, it would be like you know, someone saying, I'm going to give you the money, the printing press, the plates, and the ink. And all you got to do is, is just accept it and work it, and you can make some currency. Now, that would be called counterfeiting here in America, right? But for the sake of illustrating this point, in other words, God's saying, this is the currency, this is what you have as a medium of exchange in the kingdom, and I'm giving you what is necessary to make your currency in the kingdom. I'm giving you what is necessary for you to make your medium of exchange. And you say, well, what good is that, Pastor? Well, we're going to talk... How many of you know you can use your faith to obtain promises of God? But that's not all faith is. That's not all. Is Faith is not just forgetting stuff. Some people think it is. Some people have reduced you know, what, what's been called the faith message to that's how you rub the bottle to get the, the God, the genie, to come out and give you your wishes. And that's not, faith is not just forgetting things. You can obtain the promises of God through faith, but that's not all it's limited to, and we're going to take a look at that too. But you understand this? We just want to give you this real quick, is that that faith... I'm going to back up here a little bit. We'll get to that. Uh, it says, so Mark 11:23. Jesus answered him and said, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and cast into the sea. Now, if we understand, most of us, if we've been in church at all, you understand that word mountain is, is, is spoken metaphorically. Is that we've taken it metaphorically to represent when something comes against you in life. Now, let's put it in the proper understanding. is when something comes against you in life that is contrary to what God's Word has spoken, said that you, as His child, have available to you. Now, this ought to be good to you because we're just coming off six weeks of teaching of you know, overcoming identity theft, knowing who you are in Christ, okay? And so you know who you are in Christ. You know you're accepted in the Beloved. You know you are the righteousness of God in, in Christ Jesus. And so this mountain re- represents something, an obstacle to you obtaining what is your right as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, okay? Now... I want to read this to you. If you study out that word mountain, hopefully this gives us just a little better understanding of it. The word, it, it literally means uh, uh, to, to rise or rear, uh, rear up, to rise up or rear up against uh, something. Amen? To rise up or to rear up against and so and it says the, the example that the definition gives is as lifting, as a mountain lifting itself above a plane. So when you see this, okay, metaphorically we are talking, about, it's giving the, the example of a mountain, but in your mind when you see this, when you see mountain, and this is the first thing on your handout, a mountain represents something that rises up or rears itself up against you. Something that, that, that when God has said something in the Word, is your inheritance. And see, this is why it's so important to know the Word. Huh? You've got to know the Word. You've got to find out what the promises of God are. We've said before, you know, when, when we talk to people about, you know, we want to agree, agree with you in prayer. Well, you know what? When you come and you ask me to agree with you in prayer, I tell people, man, you've got to come with me with two Scriptures. Come to me with two Scriptures pertaining to that thing you want me to pray with you. And so I can pray and I can agree with you because we've got to know, we've got to know the Word. You can't just yank something out of thin air and say, well, I want to pray. And that's where a lot of the faith, what's been called the faith message, has, has really been maligned, misunderstood, misrepresented, that you think, well, you know, you know, if I just believe in my heart and I confess in my mouth, I get something, I'm going to get it. It's something, you know, Pastor Earl said it's a, lo- it's a loaded statement. It's something that's in the Word. It's not just something that you just pull out of thin air. Well, I just, you know, I believe God, you know, I'm going to believe God that someone's going to give me 100,000 oil wells. You know, I'm from West Virginia. I'm just going to believe God someone's going to give me a couple of coal mines. Well, where's that in the Word? Now, this is the thing. If I need a couple of coal mines to fulfill my purpose on the earth for the kingdom, then God can get me what I need. And if the need is two coal mines, then God can get it to me. 
but you understand it has to be for my purpose in the kingdom. But you can't find you. Know, and then you could say, well, God's going to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. But you got to have the word on it. Where's the word on it? You know, if we say this word, there's one guy you know, went to, was so crazy went to a preacher and wanted someone to uh, wanted the preacher to agree with him that uh, he'd have another man's wife. I'm making this up. This ain't one of those, you know, what they call crazy old preacher stories. I literally heard a minister say one time that he had a man come to him that was married and wanted the pastor to pray. He said he felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him that he was supposed to have that other man's wife. How many of y'all know that's just spiritual stupidity? Hello? That's against the Word. But you understand... You have to you have to have the word on it. It has to be God's word. It has to be in context. And so you understand this, that that mountain represents something that's going to rise up against you. That's going to rear itself. How many you know when you say rear up on someone? You know, or bow up. Let's just say that. Have, before, this is down south. You know, somebody gets uh, gets mad at you. Say, mm, I'm going to bow up on them. You know, you know, your arms get put on backwards. That chest comes up. Mm, I'm going to bow up on you. I'm going to rear. I'm going to rise up on you. Right. When something rises up on you that is something that God's already spoken in His Word, man, it's yours as a child of God. When there is, when there is something that's, that's threatening your supply, your provision, because I don't even like to... People's minds go places that shouldn't when you start talking about prosperity almost. Let's say it's provision, Okay? When you have a need and, and there's provision and God's said in His Word, you know, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When God's already promised you that provision and something rises up against you to obstruct you from getting that, man, you, got, you better start talking that thing. Have faith in God. I said, you know, I'm going to speak to that thing. And what you speak... Better be God's word. When some when symptoms rise up in your body, and you know that God has already said, "I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord God that heals you." God's already said in His word, He sent His word and healed them. When God says in His word, He said, "By the stripes laid on Jesus's back, you are healed." Well, guess what? That thing, sickness is rising up against you and rearing itself up against you to try to obstruct you from obtaining that. And so you understand that that mountain, it's an obstruction, but it's something, it's, it literally rises up against you to try to cut you off from doing that. Amen? So turn to, turn to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Now I want you to keep this in mind as we're, as we're reading this because I'm, we're talking about faith, but we're talking about specifically an obstacle to faith, something that's going to rear itself up against you to try to keep you from uh, obtaining, having what God has promised to you. Second um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. To keep in mind, a mountain is something that rises up against you. Okay? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to stop right there. You notice there in verse 5 it says, We are destroying speculations... And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. The weapons of your, of your warfare are not carnal, one translation says. They're not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful. Okay? Understand this, is that this tells us where the struggle takes place. Is that there are going to be, th- there are going to be lofty things that raise themselves up against what? What is it against? The knowledge of God. And we've said this before. Ignorance and faith are impossible roommates. They cannot just, you cannot say you have, you cannot honestly say you have faith for anything that you don't have 
uh, faith that you, that, you, that you don't have a knowledge of what God's Word is. Because understand this, ignorance is a lack of knowledge. You're unaware of facts. If you're ignorant, ignorant and stupid is not the same thing. Because you, you can be one of the most intelligent people in the world, but you can be ignorant, and that just means you've not been revealed to facts or you've not been exposed to knowledge in the Word. So ignorance and faith are impossible roommates. One of our instructors said, said if you're going to have faith, you're going to have to know some things. Because the person that says, well, I'm just believing God, everything's going to work out. Well, really, what scriptures are you basing that belief on? Oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I just, you know, I'm just, a, I'm a real optimistic. I'm a glass half full kind of person. I just think it's all going to work out. Guess what? That's wishful thinking. That's not faith. Because faith is based on the knowledge of God's word. Faith is I've heard something in God's word and I believe it. And therefore, because I've heard that and I accept it as truth and I believe it, that's what my faith is based on. And so. He's saying in this passage of Scripture here that we are destroying speculations. One translation says imaginations. And every lofty thing, remember this is a thing that rises up against you, that rises up against the knowledge of God. Now, knowledge of, the knowledge of God is what your faith is based on. So you've got to understand, when these obstacles rise up, now some people might say, I saw some silly little uh, article online that said, you know, how do you know which mountains to speak to? You know, some people go, oh, well, you know, so why, how do I know God didn't send this into my life to, to try to teach me something? This is one of those verses, John 10.10, 10, write this down. You can take a little note, John 10.10. 10. This is one of these little verses that will just keep your theology straight. John 10.10, 10, some of you can probably quote it. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Here it is. This is theologically deep. I hope you can comprehend this when I tell you this, okay? Good God, bad devil. This is, that's theologically deep. Good God, bad devil. If something is coming against you, and this, it just boils right down to this. You've got to know the Word. You've got to know the Word. Because this is the thing. If God says, if God says in His Word, uh, Jimmy, I'm going to give you peace. Peace I have, peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, but I am giving you peace. And Jesus says, I'm giving you peace. Well, if there's things that are coming up in your life that are stealing your peace, and you're just all tore up on the inside, constantly in turmoil, can't sleep, can't eat, because my stomach gets all upset when I try to eat anything, I just can't have any peace. And when I do sleep, I don't wake up refreshed. I'm just exhausted. I don't feel like I've got any rest at all. And that rises up against you. Well, the first thing you've got to do, do your faith check. Do your little faith checklist. Okay, am I, am I doing the Word? Okay, now what's the Word say about things that would steal my peace and would stress me? It's a cast all your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. Okay, go to that checklist. Okay, am I doing that? Now, this is the thing. If you're not, that's not condemnation. Man, that helps you not. You identify the source of the problem quick, right? Oh, now wait a minute. I see what it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know your word. The word says, if I'd cast my cares, I've identified the problem. I have not cast my cares upon the Lord. And so, all I know, all I need to know right now is, I cast that care on you. And cast it means like to throw away and not get back. I throw it away. Now that doesn't mean you absolve yourself of responsibility. You understand what I'm saying? I've said this before. Worry is the most insane thing to do. I've told people, say, why worry about something? If it's something you can do something about, do something about it and don't worry about it. If it's something you can't do anything about to fix, then don't worry about it because it ain't going to do good anyway, right? So you cast that care on the Lord. And so then you go, because well, you know, God's promised me a more, so I can cast that mountain into the sea. Because there's something that's raising itself up in opposition to my knowledge or my faith in what God's Word says that He was going to give me peace. He gives, he gives sleep to His beloved. Huh? And you know that. And, so, and this is the thing. And so when you know God's Word, you know what He's promised you and said is yours as His child. You re- and so you recognize stuff quickly. You recognize it. When something, when something raises itself up in opposition to a promise that God's made you, you recognize it quickly and you're able to say, oh, no, 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 that's a mountain. I'm going to speak to that thing. Amen? So... Uh, so the weapons of our warfare are intended 
to destroy the lofty things that raise herself up against the knowledge of God. And what are the weapons of our warfare? Well, amen. I didn't have this wrote down. Just go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians real quick. So the uh, second thing, real quick, we'll tell you on your, on your handout. It says, God has equipped us with weapons. The word weapons should be in the blank there. God has equipped us with weapons to destroy every lofty thing that opposes us. We want to look at um, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might and put on the full armor of God. Oh, wait a minute. We're talking about armor. That sounds like weaponry. That sounds like the weapons that, a, that, an, infantry, that a, a, an infantry soldier would wear at the time this was written. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of, the, of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, the word, the word, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So can we say truth is the Word of God? Okay, truth. Uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, the Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? Now some of you are going to think, oh, Pastor, you're getting some crazy uh, logic going here. Okay, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, speaking of Jesus. The word, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? So we're talking about the word. Okay. Uh, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we learn that from the word of God too. Right? All this is coming from the word. In addition, taking the shield of faith. How's that come? By hearing, by hearing the word of God, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So these weapons that that are mentioned in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, uh, 4 and 5, those weapons, they're all based on the Word. They all come by a knowledge, your knowledge of the Word. We just might as well accept it. If we're going to live up to the full potential of what God has designed and has intended for you to walk in in this life, you cannot get away from the Word. Faith is inseparable from the Word. The Word is the, very, is the very source of faith. And so if you're going to be strong in faith, you've got to be strong in the Word. There's no other way around it. There's the, this is the thing. Man, I, and, and me and Pastor Shane, we're getting back there. Man, we're, we're speaking the Word. We're reading the Word. Man, spending time in it. This is the thing. I've told you, man, it's as easily accessible as the Word is. Man, get you an MP3 player. Get you some CDs. You can go online and download the entire New Testament in audio for free. Stick it in your car, man. You know, this thing, I enjoy, Pastor, I enjoy uh, listening to talk radio and staying up on uh, current events a lot, you know, because, like you know, I'm kind of geared toward being interested in international affairs because, you know, when I was in school, I always had an interest in, in uh, foreign affairs, international affairs. I mean, my degrees in, my bachelor's degrees in government with a concentration in international studies. Okay? I've always enjoyed that. So I like to hear it, but you know what? I found I'm, I'm weaning myself off of that more. If I'm going to drive someplace across town, it's going to take me 10 or 15 minutes to get there. Guess what? I can turn, I can, uh, I can turn my iPod on and play some music. Uh, I can play some, uh, some Bible. Now, I listen to some teaching, too. There's nothing wrong with that, but just listening to the Word because teaching is a supplement to the Word. The Word's what you need to feed yourself. Teaching about the Word is a supplement, but you need the Word. Okay, you need to be you need, just take take every moment you can to get because you understand. You know, uh, Joyce Meyer, she's got a TV program called "There's Life in the Word." Hmm? There is life in the Word, and I'll promise you that nothing that they're playing on the country music station or nothing they're playing on the adult contemporary, nothing they're playing on talk radio is going to impart life to you. You're not going to hear Glenn Beck ever say anything, I don't think. <laughs> you, I doubt that you're ever going to hear him say anything that when something rises, raises itself up against you in opposition to what God's promised you, that you're going to be able to speak to it, that you're going to believe it in your heart, you're going to speak to it, and you're going to see the situation change. This is the thing we've, we have got to be serious about. We've got, if you want God's results, we've got to do it God's way, right? Amen? So, I'm going to give you the, the pat definition here real quick. The next blank 
<coughs> the the uh, next blank on your sheet there. Faith simply is, right? Everybody see that on your sheet? Faith simply is a firm persuasion or a conviction. I don't know if any of y'all know who Josh McDowell is. He was, um, was it Campus Crusade for Christ? Was that who he was? They were Campus Crusade for Christ. I think he was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He came into the church we were on staff at in Huntington, West Virginia one time, and he wrote a book, and he did this huge teaching. Uh, that he called, The name of the book was uh, Beyond Belief to Conviction. And I appreciate what he was saying, but you know the guy he wrote about a 300-page book to <laughs> to tell you that you needed to move from beyond from belief to a conviction, when really what he was describing as a belief wasn't even really belief at all. Because you, if you'll study this out in the in the Bible now, when you read in the Bible, when you see the word faith and you see the word believe. Okay? I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can use the tools that I have available to get definitions. The word that's translated faith is pistis, and the word translated belief is pistiu, I believe. Something along that line. Anyway, the only difference is, is pistis is a noun, and the other is a verb. So when you see in the Bible faith and belief, Faith is the thing. Belief is the faith in action. It is the action tense. Is the action tense of the word, same word faith. Faith is a strong persuasion or a conviction. And then you understand this: firm persuasions. Persuasions might change easily, easily, but if you have a firm persuasion, man, it means it. You know, you ain't gonna budge me off of it. You have a conviction. I'll tell you the difference between a conviction is something that you hold so strong that you're willing to die for it. You don't shuck it off easily. A conviction is a conviction is a belief is a belief or a firm persuasion that you hold so firmly that you will not move off of it even if there are negative consequences to you. And the church of America needs to get a hold of that. Amen. Turn to, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 real quick. I believe it's chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. <coughs> now this is known as, you know, how many of you all have heard, you know, again, if you're familiar with your Bible, if you've been in church very long, if you've listened, listened to much teaching, they talk about Hebrews chapter 11 being the hero's hall of faith or, or something like that. Different commentators will call it different things. Where it's this, the whole chapter is this showcase of faith. Okay, now understand this. You know, have faith in God. You'll speak to the mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea. Anything that rises itself up in opposition against God's Word and God's promises to you, you speak to it. And what are you speaking? You're speaking God's Word to it and telling it to be removed from, from here and cast into the sea. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, and we're telling you this, and I'm going to take some time to read this. You know, I usually don't read long passages of Scripture, but I want us to make sure that we read this because I don't want us thinking that faith is just rubbing the bottle the right way for, for the Jehovah genie to come out and give us every one of our wishes that we want. Because, remember, I'm saying faith literally is a firm persuasion, a conviction that man, come hell or high water, I am so Firmly persuaded of this. If the, you know, the old song, the old hymn is the old hymn in the church hymnal that I grew up in. You know, I shall not be moved. How many of you have ever heard that song? I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. It's a just like a tree that's planted by the water. I shall not be moved. There's one verse that said, "Though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved." 
And that's really what faith is. That it is such a strong persuasion. I have a conviction. It doesn't matter, bless God, if the devil throws everything in hell, including the kitchen sink at me, I ain't budging off of it. Because I got God's Word on it. I believe God's Word. I'm not moving off of it. And there's nothing that's going to happen. And it doesn't matter what it costs me. Because, understand this, faith isn't just always, I get every little thing I want. It's not your, it's not your way of just getting all the goodies in life and living a selfish life, but it is a, persu- it is a conviction that you hold so strongly that you are willing to make a sacrifice in your life for it. You don't boot, budge off of it. And so I'm going to take some time here, and we're going to, I'm going to read to you uh, the entire 11th chapter of Hebrews. There's 40 verses. So just stay with me. Don't zone out. Read along with me. <clears throat> it says, Now faith is the assurance of things... I'm reading out the New American Standard, okay? So if it's a little different, don't get upset. Now, faith is the assurance... Uh, King James, New King James says, the substance of things hoped for, uh, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. Listen to this. By faith... Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Now remember this, when when we read this and you hear that word faith, just interpret it as firm persuasion. Interpret it as conviction. Matter of fact, I'll maybe even read it that way so that it sticks to us a little bit. Uh, For by by convictions, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about His gifts and through convictions, though He is dead, He still speaks. By His firm persuasion and convictions, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death and he was not found because God took him up because He obtained the witness that before His being taken up that He was pleasing to God. Remember, without faith it's impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God. And without without firm persuasions and conviction, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. By His uh, firm persuasion and conviction, Noah, being warned by God about things yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By His Firm persuasions and conviction. Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance and went out not knowing where he was going. By his firm persuasion and convictions, he uh, lived as an alien in the land of promise, as as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By firm persuasions and conviction, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man and him as good as dead at that and as many descendants as the stars of the heavens in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in firm persuasions and conviction without receiving the promises, but having seen them, having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Amen. What city is that? The New Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven. Amen. By his firm persuasions and conviction, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Uh, he who, was received, uh, who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By firm persuasions and convictions, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By uh, firm convictions and persuasion, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. 
by firm persuasions and conviction. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By firm persuasions and conviction, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By firm persuasions and convictions, uh, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure the ill treatment of the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I'll say, and understand this, sin is missing the mark, right? He could have enjoyed some pleasures by missing his purpose. He could, you know, Moses could have stayed in Pharaoh's house and been real comfortable. Because you understand, as we said this in, in Hebrew, the word sin, it, it literally, it's a, it's a term used in archery that means to miss the target. Being, you know, being successful at the wrong assignment. Verse 27, by firm persuasions and convictions, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he, uh, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By firm persuasions and conviction, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. Um, by firm persuasions and conviction, they passed through the Red Sea as they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By firm convictions, by firm persuasion and conviction, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By firm persuasion and conviction, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Listen to this. Who by faith, their firm persuasion... Their convictions, they conquered kingdoms, they performed acts of righteousness, they obtained promises, they shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember they were thrown in the fiery furnace? They quenched fire, um, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their uh, their dead by uh, back by back their dead by resurrection. Now listen to this, verse thirty five. This is where it gets where it doesn't sound near as unpleasant. Now you can shout on all the rest of this, right? We can get all excited. Woo! Hallelujah! By faith Abraham obtained the son. By faith they put they they put aliens armies of aliens to flight. By faith they conquered kingdoms. By faith they shut the mouths of lions. By faith they obtained the promises of God. Woo! Man, we can get all fired up. We can preach and shout about that, can't we? All this stuff. Now remember, we're talking about faith. A firm persuasion and a conviction that you hold so firmly that even if it costs you everything, you're not moving off of it. Let's look at verse, with that in mind. Look at verse 35. Um, and others were tortured. That's where the car runs off. That's where mentally we disconnect. Wait a minute, we were, we were shouting about all the rest of this stuff. We were shouting about obtaining promises. We were shouting about walking in victory by faith, by their firm persuasions and their convictions. Some were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death. They were sawn in two. Was that Isaiah, Brother Kirk? You know who that was? One of the prophets? One of the, I believe it was Isaiah. You can check into it, see. He was actually put, the, uh, you know, tradition says that he was placed into uh, a hollow log and the log was sawn in two with him in it because of his firm persuasion and because of his convictions. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Now, you understand this? Is that this? I, I, the reason I took this time to read those 40 verses to you was to show you and to point out to you is that faith is more than just the the 
pan, the spiritual panacea that gets you all the good things of God. It is how we obtain the promises of God. It is how you know, walking by faith, living by your convictions and your firm persuasions is how we obtain the promises of God. But sometimes, and we, and, and we need to, you just need to be aware of this. We're not trying to focus on this to make it a negative thing. But you, do just, you, you, you need to be aware. Yeah, there's certainly benefits. It pleases God and there is no other life that is more fulfilling than living a life of faith in God. But also realize this, that in the short term, in the temporal realm, there may be times it may cost you a job. It may cost you. You might not, be, you might not, win, per, you might not win popularity contests where you work. Okay? Oh yeah, as long as you're a little Mr. Love Boy... What they think is love, what they think is that you're just, you don't ever speak out against anything that's wrong. As long as you're approving everything that everybody does, but you take a biblical stand on something, and you can, you can lose that popularity quicker than Barack Obama starting a war in Libya, right? Amen. So it might cost you something. Amen? But faith, your convictions, your firm belief. Amen? Do you understand this? Uh, next thing on your sheet there. So faith, and I know you've heard this, but don't let don't let it just roll off your back like you know. Don't let it go roll off you like water off a duck's back. Faith governs your faith governs or controls what you think, what you say, and what you do. And as a matter of fact, we can say this: you can identify whether or not someone has faith. You can, you can do that. You know, some people say, ah, you can't judge me. We understand that we can't pass judgment or condemn someone. But you can, you can assess somebody, right? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get around somebody. Let me ask you something. How many of y'all, it's a real mystery, the people that you get around uh, at work or at school, um, if you're around them long enough, you listen to them talk, is it... Can you pretty much tell who, who's, a, who's a believer and who isn't? Now, unless you're going to the gym like me. I'm a, I, there's this guy at the gym at the Y, and this dude, he cusses like a sailor. I'm convinced he's made up some profanity. And he's telling the guy, he goes, yeah, I go to church on Sunday morning, and then I you know, go home, and I, you know, I come to the gym, I go work out. And I'm like, dude, man, you need to go a little more because it ain't taken. <laughs> you, need, you need to get another, you need to get another, another dose. Because, you know, I understand this. This is one reason that you, that you can't judge people because, we've said this before, a carnal baby Christian, a lot of times you can't tell a carnal baby Christian from someone that's not even born again. You don't know at what stage of development that the, per, that the person's at spiritually. Okay? So we can't judge them. But you can get, you cannot get an idea. So I'm not saying you, that you just make snap decisions like, oh, you're not saved. When that person, they might have just got saved. They might have been strung out. They might have just spent the last 20 years of their life strung out on drugs and just got born again that Sunday. Okay? So we don't know. But you can assess where their faith level is at by what they're speaking. The thing, What you see them speak, what you see them do. Now, like I said, I'm not saying you can't determine their relationship with God, but you can determine, you know, okay, well, I hear you saying that. So well, now, Pastor, I just don't believe you can perceive that, that people <coughs> have faith. Amen? Well, let me see if I can give you some scripture. Acts chapter 14. You can recognize to a measure what a person believes or what their faith is. If you observe them long enough, their actions will reveal it. You know, Matthew 12, 24 is that scripture. It says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Acts chapter 14, verse 9. Paul was preaching, and while he was preaching... It said he looked at a man while he was preaching, and it says that he, Paul perceived that the man had faith to receive healing. Okay? So there's a word, right? Because we give you the word on some stuff. The heart will reveal, you know, a person's speech reveals what's in their heart. You can observe people. You know, you can tell when people are receiving. I've, I've stood in this room before and I've preached and I've said stuff that, man, I thought the ricochet was going to kill me. You know, say it and it goes out and bounces back. I'm like, okay, they didn't take that. But you can you can perceive <clears throat> when people uh, when people have faith. So 
Um, your faith, your faith, because because their faith is revealed. Now you can't tell the way people think. I heard somebody say one time, "My gosh, man, aren't you all glad that when God made us, He didn't just like put a little TV screen right there on your head?" You know, you walk up to someone and say, "Hey, how you doing?" And they said, you know, they thought something like, now "Their hair's a little out of place." And it just the words just run across. Or there, someone's talking to you and they want your undivided attention, and they and across your little TV screen on your head, you you know, you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. You know, if Sister Grace was pouring her heart out to me about something and she saw gravy and biscuits and fried chicken and everything flashing across my head, she goes, you ain't listening to the word I'm saying, are you? No, no, I'm really interested. Then why, you know, why is there a big plate of gravy and biscuits and fried chicken flashing on your head? So you can't know someone's thoughts, really, unless they begin to speak. But you get around people long enough and you hear them talking. Okay, that's what you think. That's what and like I said, now I'm not talking about being judgmental. I'm not talking about being judgmental. I'm just talking about you can be aware of where people are at. And that, and that doesn't mean that you get coming down on them or you get to feeling like you have a superiority contact, uh, complex over that person. Just It helps you locate them. <clears throat> I remember when I worked for, uh, for Pepsi. You know, I, was a, I was a lay minister in the Free Will Baptist Church. Um, started preaching when I was 20 years old. And uh, was with the Free Will Baptist uh, from the time I was 20 till I was 27. And uh, then the Lord led me to New Life Church in Huntington, West Virginia. I moved over into, you know, what's called the Word of Faith Circles. Went to Rhema Bible Training Center. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I was a bivocational minister for years. And uh, I'd go out and I'd work for Pepsi-Cola. And, I, man, I'd go in some rough places. I'd go in some rough places. But I went in some places. I'm like, thank you, look, Calgon or Jesus won. Take me away. I'd have to, I'd have to deliver equipment and do and service equipment in in, uh, in gay bars in Charleston, West Virginia, and that wasn't during business hours. But mm, ain't going there during business hours. Strip joints, you know, we'd service them of the morning because they were they were they had accounts. Some of you go, oh, pre- pastor, I can't believe you'd go in strip joints. Well, they weren't dancing; it was closed, and, it, and you know, sick don't need a physician. I mean, the well don't need a physician, do they? But uh, I'd go into these places and, and I'd just begin to talk with people. And man, they'd cuss. Some of them they'd cuss. Like I said, I remember there's this one old gal over in Clay County, West Virginia. Susie. Susie Mullins, that was her name. Man, that woman. If me and both Jimmys went in and, and, and we got in a fight with her, I would, I would put my money on her. I bet she'd whoop all three of us. That woman, man, she she never met a man that she wasn't afraid to. If he got up in her, she'd get she'd get you got her riled, she'd get right up in your face, and she and she wasn't scared of no man. She'd tell you, I ain't scared of no man. She'd back it up too, man. Susie went about two hundred pounds. I bet she, I bet she bench pressed three hundred pounds. Probably she's a beast now. She's a strong woman. But you get around these people, man, they just cuss like a sailor, talk all this just filthy, smutty stuff, you know. This is the thing. Don't be, don't be, resist the temptation. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom to know when to tell people they need to, they need to close their mouth. Because if somebody's just being them, and they ain't deliberately trying to push your buttons, they're just being them. But now if someone knows that you're a believer and they're deliberately trying to be smutty, well, you know, just pray and ask God for wisdom. And you, you realize this, that there's nothing wrong with you just in love, just say, hey, you know what, I don't appreciate that kind of language. I really wish you'd talk about something different. That's not edifying. Yeah? And if they don't, well, then you just let them go and do like John Osteen did on car lot. Brother Hagen told a story. John Osteen went to buy a car one time. The car salesman came out and cussed like a sailor. And when he got done, John Osteen started going, Woo, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I just praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're such a good God. Started praising God. And the guy just about freaked out about swallowing his cigar. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, you took time praising your God. Now I'm going to praise mine. Amen? But uh, I'd talk to these people. You know, and you'd, you'd hear them talk and tell their, uh, you know, they'd talk all this vulgar stuff and use crude language and stuff like that. And then, you know, one of the guys I'd work with would say, hey, preacher, why don't you run out to the truck and get done enough for me? because I work with another guy. And uh, they'd go, Preacher? Who, who you call him? Well, he's a preacher. Oh, halos would appear. Ding! Oh, brother. You know, 
Brother Brian, Pastor Brian, Preacher, I, you know, I'm so glad. You know, that, and, and then some of them, you know, they'd get embarrassed. You know, some of them just, I had one lady, she just walked back in the back room, wouldn't come back out the rest of the day while I was there working. And people go, oh, I sure do wish you'd have told me a preacher, you was a preacher, I wouldn't talk in front of you like that. And I said, that's exactly why I didn't tell you I was a preacher. I said, because I want to know the real you. I don't want to know a little false face that you put on and put around your little religious false face that you put on and pretend to be something that you're not. I want to know who the real you is. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what's in the abundance of the heart, when it's revealed, reveals the level of faith that someone's at. Okay? And so don't be offended. My goodness, you're not going to backslide and lose your salvation and go to hell because somebody said fire truck in front of you, are you? Come on now. You all know what I'm talking about. If, if that's all it took for you to lose your salvation, then we've got to get you reassessed. And what, I'm saying, and what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that you just get tolerant to it, and it, and it is offensive. But how many opportunities, sometimes I wonder how many opportunities we've lost to minister to people because we've said, you know, shut your mouth, ain't you got no respect for me? I'm a Christian, don't talk that way. And you shut them down, and then the rest of the, the, rest of the time, you've just closed any door of influence that you've had with that person because you've offended them right off the bat. Now, this is the thing. If they're going to get offended at the Word, they're going to get offended. But don't let them get offended at your delivery. And, and it's going to happen. And don't beat yourself over this because, hey, I'm a preacher. Everything I say, it's recorded and it gets, it gets analyzed. And y'all know how much, don't know how much since I've been in ministry, man, people, that, you know, they want to, just, they want to uh, dissect and analyze and, and make implications about what you say and make all kinds. And they don't want to come to you and talk. They want to take something you said out of context and then make it sound like you said something you didn't, okay? So it's going to be inevitable. Don't be concerned about that. But your faith governs what you think, say, or do, okay? Uh, whew, man, glory to God. How long? Where are we at, Brother Kirk, on CD? Oh, praise the Lord. We're there in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go there real quick. We're going to, we're going to finish this up, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? Your firm persuasions, your convictions are the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of of things not seen. Now we've said this before, but that word substance, now we think substance, we think of matter, or we think of, you know, if I say, you know, what's the substance, we're thinking about the matter, the thing that it's composed of. And, but it, substance, that word substance, it literally means an underlying structure. You've dug, you've heard this before, you've dug, you pour that foundation Faith, your firm persuasions, your convictions are the foundation for things hoped for. And remember that word hope, which is that word hope is a confident expectation. In other words, I'm expecting something's going to happen. Your faith, your firm persuasion, your conviction is the foundation upon which your expectation of things coming to you ought to happen. And here it is in God's Word. Okay, if you need healing in your body, you've got to know something. You've got to know some Scriptures. You've got to know where God said, I'm your healer. If you need some provision, you need to know some Scriptures where God said, I'm, going, I'm your provision. If you're needing peace, man, you've got to know some Scriptures where God says, I, you know, I'm your peace. I'll give you peace. Huh? You've got to know that. So then when you know that and you believe it and you, for, you form a firm persuasion on he is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord God that heals. It's by his, he, he sent His Word and He healed them. By the stripes on Jesus' back, I am healed. God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forevermore. He don't change. He was, the, he was the healer in the Old Testament. He was the healer in the New Testament. He's the healer today. I have a firm persuasion on that. I believe it. And because I have that foundation of believing that that's who God is, 
then I have an expectation that when I act on the Word, that I'm going to receive what the Word says. The foundation of my expectation is God's Word. So if I have an expectation that there's going to be, that sickness is going to be spoken to and it's going to go in my body. If I have an expectation that there's lack in any, in, in the finances of my life and I need provisions to be made, then I have an expectation. The foundation is, uh, of my expectation is what God said in His Word. Amen? And so, understand this, is that, um, the, the a foundation is intended to be something solid and immovable that lends strength and stability to the structure that's built on it. I'll say it again. A foundation is intended to be something solid and immovable. What do we say about firm persuasions and convictions? Just remember that little hymn that I sang to you, that I quoted to you. I shall not be... I shall not be moved. I have a firm persuasion. I have a conviction. And I will not move off of it. And the foundation is God's Word that you believe. And because you have made it your foundation, it lends strength to you. Amen? We're going to pick up here next week. We're going to take a look at this again next week. <clears throat> looking at faith as a foundation. Amen? But I want to ask you this question. Okay? What are some of the mountains that you may encounter in life? Unemployment. Vehicles breaking down. Amen. Medical things. Health issues. So, um, so, so I mean, so how do we? Address those. How do, how do we address those things? And I guess you know, the answer, one, one component of the answer would be Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 that we read. That we read. What we do? We take captive. Right? So it says that, we, that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're uh, divinely empowered or they're, uh, and they're spiritual to the tearing down of fortresses. And, you know, and a lot of people have got off in error and they think that there's some spiritual fortresses that's talking about strongholds in your mind. That's why Jesus came preaching, repent, you've got to change the way you think. Because you've got some strongholds built in your mind. So, something we mentioned. What do we do? Um, okay, car breaks down. Here's an example. The car breaks down. Are you speaking to that? Now, if you haven't done this, don't think this is condemnation or anything. But this is what you do. I'll just give you, this is free. I'll give you this one. You look at the repair bills. And I'm telling you, get your bills. This will help you visualize to do this stuff. Get your repair bills and lay there. And get your Bible and lay it down right on top of them. And turn to Malachi chapter 3. And say, God... You said in your word, and I know Jim and Rosalie, the tithers. I know they are. I don't check, but I know they are. Right? And you put your Bible on top of that, and you say, God, you said in your word that if I would bring the tithes and offerings to the storehouse, that you would rebuke the devourer for my sake, and you'd open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on me that there's not room to receive. Now, Lord, this vehicle's broke down, and the devourers came in to devour our finances. And I know there's some stuff I can look at in the natural that I'm having to pay out some stuff now and there's some setbacks. But I have a conviction of your word is true and I'm going to speak to this mountain because this has raised itself up against me. I'm going to speak your word to it. And Father, I thank you in the, uh, on the authority of your word. You're rebuking the devourer. And I, call, and I speak the blessing of, of, of tithing over this situation. And I thank you you're going to rebuke the devourer. And blessing is coming that there's not room to receive to, to make this up because I, I'm obedient to the Word and I've got a conviction on it. Amen? And that's just what you do to anything. When those mountains arise, whatever, if it's, if it's health, if it's, if it's symptoms in your body. Man, I'm telling you, if I had symptoms in my body going on, man, well, I'll tell you what, this is something Pastor Shane and I were talking about. Said, Don't wait till stuff happens to start speaking to it. Don't let the devil dictate your prayer life. Think about this. If all we're praying about is all the little fires that are popping up, 
problems with the kids, problem with the finances, problem with this, problem with that, and we're just running around putting out fires. Guess what? Well, who's the author of all those things? Good God, bad devil, John 10, 10, right? So the devil did it. So you're allowing crises that the devil's bringing up in your life to steer your prayer life. Say, well, now, Pastor Brian, what am I supposed to pray about? This is why being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and praying in tongues is so important because you realize if, if you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you'll spend time praying in tongues, that the Holy Spirit's guiding your prayer life. And a lot of this junk that the devil might be trying to plan and put in your path to derail you and to, and to preoccupy you and derail you, distract you from your assignment, you can, you, can, uh, you can be delivered from the snare of the enemy of a lot of those things praying that stuff out, letting the Holy Ghost lead you with prayer life. And then that's the thing. And then as stuff comes up, you can definitely pray specifically for that. But you don't know how much stuff that you could just absolutely take off the table just letting the Holy Ghost lead your prayer life and going ahead and speaking those things. But, you know, Pastor Cheyenne was saying this morning, don't wait till you're sick to be speaking uh, health scriptures. You know, when we pray, I say, thank you. You know, when we, when we bless the food, it's not a real big, long blessing. I say, Father, we thank you for this food. Thank you that according to you said in your word that you'd bless our food and water and you'd take sickness out of our midst. Even when I ain't got no symptoms in my body, I'm speaking healing. If I had symptoms in my body, man, I'd get more, I'd have a post note stuck right on my mirror. Everyone, when I went over there to brush my teeth or I went over there to shave or whatever, I'd look at that scripture and I'd have me at least two or three scriptures on whatever the mountain was. And I'd say, Lord, thank you. Your word says this and your word says that. And, your word says, and speak to it. And speak to it. Amen. Speak God's word. Get it in your heart. Believe it. Have a conviction on it and just speak it. And this is the thing. Man, if you, got, if you ain't got no money problems, man, go ahead and get you, get, you some, get you some for all the areas of your life that you just want to do, you know, preemptive strikes, spiritual preemptive strikes on. You know what? Ain't got no money issues going on right now, but you know what? I'm going to stand on the Word and I'm going to start speaking to stuff before it even becomes an issue. Amen? And you just keep yourself, you just keep yourself up on it. You just keep yourself full of the Word, speaking the Word, and that way when stuff comes, man... It don't look it don't look that tough. You just go, <clears throat> you just hit it and roll it over and keep on going. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Why? Because you've been you tell them, is that all you got? Man, I've been training on this for months. I've been speaking the word on that for months. That all you got? Come on, devil. Come on. I, that's nothing, man. I'm gonna stand on the word and I'm gonna and I'm gonna believe God. Amen.